Lord, we proclaim your glory. We lift you up this morning, Lord. Would you just give him praise? Hallelujah. 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 How many of you can say the Lord has done something in your life this week? We praise you, Lord. Give him praise for that. We praise you, Lord. When peace like a my hands straight in the air and as I feel my feet leave the ground I want to shout out it is well with my soul tell it loud 
Thank you. That was good notice about what's going on here at our church. And you want to be involved and we want to be busy working for the Lord. We've just come from early service at 8.30 and then our Sunday school hour. It's always, I was, I'm involved in Sunday school and it's just always so rich. We talked about how the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. And how David said, I have been young and now I am old. And I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Good news in God's word for all those who love him. And we study that on Sunday morning here at every service. Then we'll have our service tonight. And all through the week, you saw what's going on. So the church is busy planning for your need and for what you are hungry to hear and be involved in. Thank you for coming today. We want you to remember that all through the week, there will be lots of things going on. And you are welcome to bring friends and loved ones. If you miss a service, you'll miss something. All night long, I was almost sure I wasn't going to get to come. Virgil was so restless, and I was up with him. And somebody said, do you get up a lot? I said, one night I got up 13 times to help him. But I was concerned that maybe I wouldn't get to come this morning. But God touched him and helped him, and he went back to sleep. And here I am, been in Sunday school, and don't you love God's house? Oh, praise his name for people who love him and who come to his house to serve him. Not only do you come to get blessed, but you are a blessing when you come. So thank you for being here this morning. And if you're new and visiting with us and this is your first time or just relatively new, we welcome you so much. It thrills us to meet you. And we want you to get out of the aisles and shake hands and greet people. Tell them your name and introduce yourself and say, God loves you. Can you do that? God loves you. Give that message to someone this morning. God bless you. Well, I just want to stand in Jesus' name. I just want to stand your word proclaim matter what comes my way, matter what beats the same, I just want to sing, oh let's sing it one more time, yeah, I just want to sing, in Jesus' name, I just want to sing, your word proclaim, matter what comes my way. God before you 
we face tomorrow. Man of sorrows, Lamb of God, by His own betrayed. Hallelujah, God be praised. 
going to sing that one more time. I don't know if you got it. See the stone is I was thinking while we were singing this song and celebrating that empty tomb, I was thinking about the communion we'll have. The Bible says, as oft as you drink this drink and eat this bread, do that in remembrance of what he's done for you and do it to show forth his death till he comes. After he comes, you see, there's going to be another communion, Lord's Supper. It's going to be called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb. And we're all going to be gathered together there around. And I guarantee you it's not going to be a solemn moment. But it's going to be a time of celebration as he serves us one last time in remembrance of what he's done for us. I believe that communion service, they'll be shouting and dancing and joy will fill the place. Kind of like maybe a little bit of what we experienced this morning. How many of you are celebrating today that Christ has overcome the grave? Amen. As you hold the communion elements, I won't get you too stirred up. You'll spill juice. But we hold these sacred, beautiful elements in our hands. And he's still coming. Yes, he is. I said he's still coming. Yes, he is. So we're still remembering. Absolutely. Lest we should get off somewhere and think that we did anything. That we dreamed this all up or that we got strength in our own self. How many of you know it's not by might nor by power but by the Spirit of the Lord? Every day He is my being. He's my strength. He is everything to me. My, the breath in my body, the heartbeat. You don't have breath on your own. You're borrowing that today. Be careful with it. That heartbeat in your body, that don't belong to you. That's borrowed from God, and you better be careful with that. 
We're here this morning to honor our risen. Did you hear what I said? That's not just a cliche for church. Our risen Savior. You're wanting to clap your hands, I know, but you can't. Clap your hands on the inside. There you go. So you hold these elements in your hands. I would remind you. We're doing this because he instructed us. He said, as often as you drink, as often as you eat, do this. You show forth my death till I come. So today we're honoring the commandment of Christ. And we're also remembering what he did for us as we hold the elements of the body and the blood. Paul writing about it said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He said, for I have received of the Lord that which also... I delivered unto you that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped. And he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, so, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of that cup. You see, that scripture there is not to scare you away That's from right. communion. It's to encourage you and challenge yes. you to be in the right mind when yes. you take communion. So that you understand what's possible. Can I share a testimony with you? And I know you're going to want to clap, but don't. At the 830 service, I said, you know, I I have heard of testimonies of people being healed in communion. I've heard testimonies of people's lives being transformed during a communion service. This morning, I said those words, felt the Lord. We took communion and after service, Sister Donna Akers walked down to me tears in her eyes. She looked up and she said, Pastor, I've been in pain all week. She said, I came to the service this morning. She goes, and as soon as we took communion, I was healed in my back. She goes, I don't have a bit of pain anywhere. Come on, praise the Lord with me. That's awesome. Amen. When you don't have, when you don't have the ability to clap, you hoop and holler like yes. a cowboy. I like that. Isn't God good? Yes. It can happen in this moment right now. This institution of Christ set up so that you and I would remember it's his power. And with his power, all things are possible. So I don't know what you came in with today, but you may walk out without it if you'll just have faith to believe. As we read this one more time, I want us to take just a moment to clear our minds and clear our hearts and examine ourselves and prepare yourself to remember him in communion. Would you do that just for a moment? So when he had given thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do ye in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your body that was broken for leaving the palaces of heaven, leaving the throne of God to become poverty-stricken, not even to have a place to lay your head. Thank you for becoming 
incarnation for us, man, son of man. Thank you for the life that you lived on this earth, living a sinless life so that we could know through your sacrifice our own eternal gift. Thank you for salvation. We honor you this morning and we bless your holy name. And After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped and he said, this cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord, for the blood. Thank you for the remission and the forgiveness of my sins. Thank you that you had a plan to reconcile me to yourself, all of us to yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you said it's not your will that any should perish, but that our Father God gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We honor you this morning for the truth of the gospel that sets us free and gives us eternal life forever. One million years from today, we'll be alive and well and praising your wonderful name. We honor you and we bless you today and we give you honor and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. Now can you say amen? You've been waiting to clap. You wanted to clap so bad. Amen. The Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, because we are more than overcomers through Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Boy, it feels good in here. It feels good in here. God bless you. You may be seated. May I just say, I see him sitting out in the audience. And we love this gentleman. We honor this gentleman and his family and his beautiful wife, Brother Marion Barnes. Would you stand up, Brother Marion, if you're able to? Would you just give a wave to everybody? We love you so much. Welcome home. Welcome home. We know that you're here under grievous circumstances for... We've announced to you this week, and, and I'm sure most of you know that Sister Lorraine Barnes passed away this week. Her services will be here at the church on Wednesday at 1 o'clock. Visitation from 12 to 1 before that here at the church. Come and help us honor this wonderful lady. Just a precious saint of God. You'll hear me talk about this a little later, but a pillar in the church. So beautiful was her life. You talk with her and you hear the stories. Of she was just a little girl when she first came to Clayton Street. Now, I'm not telling you how old she was. I'll leave that to the family. But she, let's put it this way. She had been around a long time. One of the very first pastors of this church, she was uh, hanging out with their kids and, and playing in the yard with them and I understand that she even played in the yard over on Clayton Street before it actually was a full-blown church. She had so much to tell about the history of our church and the pastors that have served so many different generations and years. She's been through a lot in her life, and I guarantee you right now, Brother Marion, she is shouting on the hills of glory. She is a happy, happy lady this morning. 
we're here in church, but she's there on Sunday morning, and I'm telling you, she's having herself a time. Amen. She's had a, a couple days to tour the place, and knowing her like we know her, she's getting things ready, and Lord needed her to be there in order to, to make things good enough for Mary, because he just, if things aren't just right, <laughs> just kidding, but she'll be waiting. And so many are waiting, amen. How many of you have loved ones on the other side? Everywhere. We've got a lot to go home and think about. We've got a lot to, to keep our eyes and our hearts set on getting to heaven. Amen. We're going to pray for Brother Marion Barnes and their family. We're also praying this morning for the family of John Harmon. Patty and John Harmon had attended our church for quite a while. and He developed colon cancer this last year and had not been able to go to any church. He was out cutting the grass the other day and they tell me that he said he felt better than he'd felt in a long time. They'd had a good devotion and had spaghetti dinner and he went out and cut the front yard and came back in and she went to take the dog for the walk and, and came back and, and he had gone on to glory. So we want to remember them as well. Very precious family, Spencer and Robbie, their sons. Spencer has just started a pastorate down in Louisville, Kentucky, a wonderful young man who grew up in our youth group, and he, I'm just so proud of him, and they're, uh, they're needing our prayers this morning. Also, Todd and Rhonda Taylor, Todd, Todd's brother passed away this week. We'll be having his service on, Mon on Tuesday at 1 o'clock, uh, John Harmon's service is Tuesday at 10 o'clock, so we've got several families we want to pray for this week. Also... We want to pray for our churches and the fellowship and Christian brothers and sisters and the community of Louisiana that are going through such a difficult time right now. Lives that have been lost, homes that have been lost, thousands of people have been displaced. Several of our churches, uh, the Church of God churches we know are, are in dire need, desperate need of assistance and help. Many of those churches have been flooded out and... and the way the insurance works down in Louisiana since Katrina has just been a mess. And so many of them do not have the kind of insurance that's going to be helping them. The Church of God has stepped up in an Operation Compassion program. And Dr. Tim Hill, our general overseer, has requested that we, uh, that we do what we can to help. And so this morning, in our missions offering, I want us to give to the Louisiana Project to help the families and churches and pastors down there that are in desperate need this morning. So we're going to do that. And as we also pray, I want us to pray. I'm so glad to see Brother Daley Carpenter back with us this Sunday morning. He's been going through a time, and we're glad to see him in God's house. Brother Glenn Hale's back here, and we love Brother Glenn. I'm so proud that he's here with us today as well. We're praying for Brother Elvin Lawson. Let's remember Brother Elvin in our prayers. He needs prayer today. And how many of you would say, Pastor, my family, we have a situation and we need prayer? Amen. As we go before the Lord, we're thankful that he hears us and he delivers. So I'm expecting that when we pray, we'll hear from God. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you, we thank you. We thank you that you take care of our needs. That, Lord, no matter what does come our way, whether it be storms of life or storms 
of the atmosphere. You're a God who loves your people and you take care of your children. You take care of your work. I pray that you will minister today through our gifts and that it'll touch the hearts of people who are in desperate need today. I pray that you will minister, Lord, to these families we're praying for, that you would touch each one. Those that are here today that need a healing touch, we know that you're a God who is able. By faith, we believe and know and we thank you for the healing at our 830 service. And God, we're believing for healing now in this service, anticipating a move of God and the touch of God. Pray that you would comfort the families that are hurting, that have lost their loved ones. We ask you to touch and minister to them with peace that comes from your Holy Spirit. Since we never fail to give you the honor and the praise. Now, God, bless our gifts. Bless those who are faithful to pay their tithe. Thank you, Lord, because that is the kingdom work at Middletown. We honor you for every heart that has got a giving heart, a cheerful heart to give. And we thank you for it all as we pray for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We praise you, Lord. Yeah. Every praise is to our every word of worship. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise. Every praise. Every praise. Every Every praise, every praise, every praise, every praise. 
shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't care if your dog got run over and your mama has grounded you for a year. You got something to praise God about. You got something to praise God about. We are favored. We are blessed. I love Sister Billy Hudson. Every single Sunday, if I walk over to her and say, Hello, Sister Billy, how are you doing? She says, I'm blessed. 
You sure are. Man, it's time for us to get out of the mully grubs and Come quit on. looking at this Come world on. for satisfaction. Start, stop looking for pats on the back and this world. Hey, how many of you know you're not going to get what you need here? Amen. That's why Psalm 121 says, I will look out beyond the hills from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the Lord, the Lord. I'm telling you, we get that straight and there'll be a revival hit your family, hit your house. If you will get that straight, if we'll stop putting priorities on stuff in this life, this world, can I just tell you that? I'm, I feel like I'm preaching already. Come on, come on. Stop putting so much stock in the earthly things. Yes. Get your eyes off of the things of this world. They are not meant to satisfy. They're not, you're not meant to pursue them to their highest end. Ambition is not the anointing. You and I have a home beyond the sky. And we are citizens of another country. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you get your focus on the things here, and you're going to be very dissatisfied. You're going to be stressed out. You're going to be sick. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to be tired. And your life is going to amount to a bunch of nothing. I knew a guy. I showed up at his funeral service, and this was many years ago. And this guy, I mean, there were some big wigs who were there big wigs. This guy owned so much property, so much business. He had done so well in the eyes of the world. He was loaded, we like to say. He was a millionaire. I noticed something about his service as I sat there. All those people hobnobbing and coming in and people going, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know who that is? Oh, do you know who that is? Oh, look who just walked. Do you know who they are? And I kept glancing back over at the casket. I don't know. Some just got a hold of me. And I looked at all those people, and I looked back at the casket. And I was reminded of the scriptures that say, don't build up your treasures Come on. here on this earth. Where moth and thieves and all kinds of turmoil and trouble in this world will take it away from you. Or if they don't, there's one real good thing to remember. You can't take it with you. Right. There he was, and he was a Christian gentleman. And I thought the greatest thing he has is what was in his heart when he took his last breath. Amen. And if that's settled, Listen to me, young people. You're on the verge of your whole life. Everything's out there. Man, the sky's the limit. But if you haven't settled the issue of your heart and where you belong in the family of God, if that's Amen. not settled in your life, you have nothing. Yep. You have nothing. At the end of it all, it'll be a sad story. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding or your own ways. But in everything you do, trust in the Lord. Acknowledge Him. Give Him first place in your life. Yes. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and His righteousness, and then all these other things will be added to you. God isn't against you being blessed. Come on now. 
I'm praying for you to be blessed. I want you to help us pay for this building. Blessing. I want you to be blessed. But I want your first priority to be Christ. Because then you'll know what to do with your blessing. You'll know what to do with your blessing. That's not even my message. That was free of charge. Just add that to the thing. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 15. I've been in quite a sentimental kind of heart. The Lord, Lord, every now and again, He'll change my message. He, he changed my message one Sunday morning. I was sitting down at the light on Braille Boulevard, and I had my message in my folder, and I was all ready to go. And the Lord said, at the light, about 30 seconds away from the, from the building, he said, oh, by the way, you're not going to preach that message. I said, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> he said, no, you're not going to preach that message. You're going to preach another. And I said, I have prepared this one. I've yes. typed it all out. It's, it's, it's pretty good. And, and I didn't really have that confidence kind of a long, drawn-out conversation. He just said, you're not going to preach that message. I said, Lord, what am I going to preach on? He said, you're going to preach on my soon coming. All right. And I said, well, Lord, I, I, I know that that's true, and, and, but I, I didn't outline all my, my scriptures and my points and make it pretty. And he said, don't need it. Just go from your heart. And so it changed my message in five minutes. Yesterday... All weekend long, I've, I've been kind of uh, sad. All these folks that we love. I'm a sentimental guy. I, I miss people. Amen. And I started missing people all weekend long. All weekend long. Just missing people. And the Lord asked me a question, and I, I posed it to some in the office yesterday afternoon. Because I had been on my mind so much. And I said... Who will be the pillars? Who will be the pillars of the church when the pillars are gone? I thought of Sister Lorraine Barnes. And I thought she's a pillar. But she's she's gone. She's part of the celebration and the glory of heaven. And I thought, what about here? And I thought of others. And the Lord started dealing with me and he said, pray for the pillars. Pray for young men, young ladies. Pray for fathers and mothers. And pray for that one in the pew today that feels like, you know, uh, I don't know where my place is. Maybe God is calling you to be a pillar. One of the most important roles that can be accepted in the church is one of a pillar. And I, I, I went home from the office, Melissa, where we all were talking, Jim, several of us were talking. And I got out my paper and I, I took a pen and I started writing and I wrote eight pages, like in 15, 20 minutes wrote out this message and the Lord said that's your message 
So I'm going to preach to you for the next 20 minutes on pillars in the house. Second Chronicles chapter 3 and verse 15. Going all the way back to the Old Testament, you remember Solomon built the temple. And while he was building the temple, he was given instructions on how to build God's temple. And now in 2 Chronicles 3, we're, we're finding out how it's going. He says, also he made in front of the temple two pillars, 35 cubits high, and the capital was on the top of each of them. The capital that was on the top of each of them was five cubits. Now these are large. You have many different commentaries that everybody, everybody wants to be a professional, and I, I love that in the Bible commentary world. But basic Hebrew says that that, was, that means that column was about 50 feet. And that the, the, the capital on top of it was massive. Others will tell you it was different stuff, but I just went to the Hebrew. He made wreaths of chain work, as in the inner sanctuary, and put them on top of the pillars. And he made 100 pomegranates and put them on the wreaths of the chain work. Then he set up the pillars before the temple, one on the right hand and the other on the left hand. Kind of get a picture of Aaron and Hur by Moses. You remember when he stood up on the mountain and Joshua was fighting in the valley below? They held up Moses' arms as long as he had his arms up. They were winning the battle. Then he set up the pillars before the temple, one on the right hand and the other on the left, and he called the name of the one on the right hand, Jachin. Now, Jachin was over the priests in the temple. He was over the, the Levitical order. The, he was like the administrator. He, he established the structure and the system. He was well known in Solomon's day. He was a hero, a giant of the faith. Everyone respected Jachin. He was a godly man everyone respected and loved and the name on the one on the left he called Boaz which represented the heritage and the history the lineage of David which also we know would be the lineage of Christ Boaz was David's great-grandfather so we got one pillar at the temple porch one pillar to hold up the structure, one pillar to be solid, one pillar to represent strength, one to represent structure, and one to represent the establishment of an order, the Levitical order, the priestly order. You've got these two, and the Lord at the temple, and, and there are many different connotations and many different sermons could be preached from this. The one that I would look at today is that God gave a name to the pillars. Listen to me. God gave a name to the pillars of the church. One was Boaz, which was strength. His name in the Hebrew means strength. Jachin was the name that meant establishes in order. Strength and order. Pillars of the church given names that were real people. They were real people. Father, we ask your blessings on the word. Ask you to touch us in the next few minutes that we're together. And Lord, may the challenge go out to this congregation. 
But you have burdened my heart today, God. Where are the pillars? For the last day's generation. Holy Spirit, thank you. You confirm to me right now in my spirit this is the message of the hour. Holy Spirit, I thank you. Touch us, challenge us, and speak to us in the name of Jesus. Amen. Be seated. I was blessed several years ago with the mission team from Stratford Heights. We had we were on our way to Romania. We had flo- flying across the ocean. We were going to be landing in Rome, Italy. We would be there for a day and a night. Then we would fly to Budapest, Hungary, where we would get in vans and drive the hours across the Romanian border and into Romania, where we would minister at the Rafa uh, Ministry Care Center that we built as a church. Which, by the way, in an update, five floors of that uh, Romanian care center, that chaplaincy care center, is serving over 1,000 people every single week. And God blessed Brother Watkins to have a, a burden for that and a vision for that. There are two missionaries from America who live on the top floor, and they literally orchestrate through those floors ministry to children, ministry to parents, to the gypsy community. They offer counseling, they offer medical care, and they offer food, and they feed over a thousand children every single week. And you and I, God laid that on the heart of our pastor back in the day to build that building, and God has used that for his glory. So we were going on a trip to to go there and, and kind of assess that area. We also would be preaching in churches there in Romania, which was a beautiful and wonderful experience. But I want to share with you about our, our layover in uh, in Rome, Janelle, you were there. Several of our team w- was there, and we had a we had a ball. It was it was a great little stopover trip. I remember uh, the Colosseum. You've heard of the Colosseum. We we took a tour through the Colosseum and saw where the Crusaders and and all those kind of things happened. The lion fights and the gladiator fights, and and we knew that it was you know it represented persecution for Christians and many different things, but it's a very famous structure, and so it was cool to to be able to see it, touch it, and walk around it. I I am a history freak. I love history. I love to see it, smell it, feel it, touch it, especially touch it. I mean, I I can take you back to the Buckingham Palace. Angie and Marty were with me, and we're doing the Queen's tour through the Buckingham Palace, and we're walking. We get like this. It was a great, great, wonderful year that they were celebrating the Queen's 50th, her Jubilee, and so we got to go into the private quarters of the Buckingham Palace. Yeah, I've been there. And we walked through the building, and it was really amazing. We walked into the different rooms, and we, they took us into the throne room, and while we were in the throne room, there's this, this big throne and all this stuff, and I'm like, it's just covered in material, just like my grandma's house, so it's cool. But I'm looking at it, but that's special material because it's the throne room. And then I look over, and there is a piano there, a beautiful grand piano, and it was emerald green and had gold and all kinds of stuff around it. And the lady walking through, she says, oh, yes, and this is Mozart's piano he gave to Queen Victoria. And, and I was just like, is that a fact? <laughs> Mozart gave that to her. And I was like, well, so that's pretty awesome. We're all walking. Yes, come along. We're walking. We're walking, and we're going into the throne room. And, and I'm like, "Is that right?" Yeah. And I'm like, 
I touch that thing. This hand right here, touch that thing. Yeah, I didn't get in trouble either, so it was good. But we, we visited, and I like to see history. I love history. I, I've been to Philadelphia. I've been to D.C. I've been to places, and I, I love to go find those places where there are real artifacts, and, and I really love history. I've been to, the, to Stonehenge in England. I've been, if I go anywhere on my, in my travels anywhere, I always have to go to the historical sites. I love them. So we were at the Colosseum, we went to the Trevi Fountain, the Spanish Steps, the Roman Forum. We walked along what's known as the Roman Road, which was amazing. It's beautiful if you've ever been there, just the ancient history that you're just seeing and touching. Uh, we, we were, I've been in the Sistine Chapel, and, and of course, you know, I, I wasn't that good there either. They, they said, you know, whatever you do, put your cameras away. We can't have photos. Yeah. You can buy a postcard in the store. And I'm like, is that a fact? <laughs> I got my camera and I'm just like. <laughs> and don't come give me a lecture afterwards. I felt guilty, all right? I felt guilty. So I took a picture of that, the creation, you know, painting up there, right in the middle in the center of the room with Adam and God touching Fingers, I'm like, yeah, I'm on it. I got it. <laughs> Been to the Vatican, the St. Peter's Basilica, but one of the places that we went to that, that really struck my attention and really just moved me was the Pantheon. Right in the middle of downtown Rome, there's this Pantheon, which is a, an old temple. It was built uh, in, the, in A.D. 24. It's over 2,000 years old, this building. It was built and constructed by Marcus Agrippa. And you know that is a, that's a Roman name for sure. And uh, it became later on in, in those first couple centuries, it became a church. And it's still a Christian church to this day. But it's over 2,000 years old. And, and we walked up to that thing and I'm touching the wall and I'm looking at the columns. And, and, and you're seeing a picture of it right now. That, that's it by night. And it, it's just beautiful. These, these columns that are raised up with the capitals on top. And, and we see those, and we walked up into them, and I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm touching them. I'm looking at them. I'm thinking back to the history. Over 2,000 years. Are you kidding me? And then the lady, that was, or the man that was giving us the, the tour, he, he said, it is noted in their writings that say that Paul, the apostle, had been in this building. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> is that a fact? <laughs> I'm like walking around. I'm like, Paul was in this building. The Apostle Paul stood right, he probably stood right here by this wall. Take my photo. I bet you Paul stood right here. It was awesome. I was having such a great time and I loved it. And I thought maybe other disciples were here and, and, and maybe Jesus was here. At least he could have been. This was a structure that was built during that time. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's amazing. And you look at those strong columns and those structures. And then the, the tour guide says something really amazing. He says, now the whole part, the, the whole temple part, the, the round, that part that you're seeing now with the big ceiling that has a, a, a hole up in the top there where the sun comes through and rain comes through. It's a beautiful architectural wonder. It's a beautiful building, just beautiful. But that had been rebuilt several times. 
through earthquakes and storms and fires. There was a big fire in Rome, and, and the inside of that had been destroyed a couple of different times. It had to be rebuilt. But the one thing that was co consistent with this building and the one thing that had lasted all throughout the generations from A.D. 25 all the way to the present hour that we're speaking was those columns. The columns and the head above that, it goes back to Agrippa. I mean, literally, they put up on there, and if you read that, it says, this more or less says, this structure built by Marcus Agrippa in AD 24, and it's 25, and it's like, you can't believe that that was the part that's still kind of standing. And I started thinking about that, and I was like, oh, do you get the parallel? Do you understand what it's saying? That's the, and that's why the, when you go to Greece or, or when you go to, uh, I've been to the Notre Dame Paris Cathedral in Paris, France, and these huge columns are still in the original building. Wherever you go, these columns, these massive pillars are still standing. They, they were an architectural design. They were an architectural engineering uh, situation, a system that worked then, that stayed true through thousands of years, through fires, through earthquakes, through storms, through wars, through all kinds of things that would the, threaten its security. It stuck it out through all of those things. And when you go to Greece, you'll, you'll see the ruins everywhere, but a lot of times you'll still see the columns that are still around. They may even be knocked down, but they're there and they're still still very visible, and you, you look at that kind of engineering and you think that was awesome. No wonder God told Solomon to put columns. God's the engineer of all engineers. So God said, put these two columns, put these two pillars in the front of the, the temple, the house that you're building for me. Call one of them Boaz. Call the other one Jacob, each representing different strengths and different gifts to bring to the house of God that will give it structure and give it system and give it the ability to stand and weather every storm. I started thinking about the history of our church and the history of Christianity, thinking about Paul and Peter and James and John. They were pillars. They, they were columns for Christianity. Thinking about down through the years, Billy Graham is a, is a pillar for Christianity, thinking about the different folks in, in our congregation, I, I can go back to years, I've only been here 35, coming on 40 years, 30, 36, 37 years that I've been a part of this congregation, many of you a long, long, much longer time after that than me, but I remember Brother Thornton McLean. And I remember how he would, if he'd speak and get up and, and give out a message or, or if he'd teach his Bible class, man, the people would just flock to his class and they loved him and he had such an anointing. I remember the bakers. Uh, I, we've got the Evelyn and, and, and Sister Tunnel. Betty, goodness gracious. I know Betty. She worked with me for 155 years. The, their, their baker family, they, they were pillars in our church. They were folks that that had such a history of, of being in our church from the very beginning. We've got Judy Trent, who has been on staff at this church 45 years. She's a pillar in the church. 
I remember stories of, of a Sunday school teacher and a godly lady and, and Audrey, a, a story where Audrey was healed with Sister Maxine Larison who, who had just spoke a word of healing and reached back and prayed for her and healing happened. And people talk about Sister Larison being such a godly woman and a teacher of the word. And, and you look back on these folks and, and I remember Carl McLaughlin. Anybody remember Carl McLaughlin? He was a giant in this church, but he stood about that tall. And he would even, he got all the way to Stratford Heights and he'd run this way and he'd run all the way around. He'd come out through the lobby and come back down again and go for round two. Brother Watkins would usually just join his arm and start running with it. Brother McLaughlin, you'd hear him. He, Brother Watkins would be preaching. Man, the power of God would fall and all of a sudden you'd hear it. Brother McLaughlin, Brother McLaughlin would go, woo! And then we were like, he's going to run. <laughs> he was a godly man. He prayed for you, man, you knew it. You felt the power of God. There was no question that the prayer was going to be heard from heaven. Amazing. He had a sister named Alice Wright. Alice would sit on the front row down at Harlem Park. She had on a little white shawl most of the time and a cute little dress. And she had hair piled up on her head and a Pentecostal hairdo. I always had it, you know, wrapped up perfectly up there on her head. And she'd sit there with her eyes closed during service. And that little tiny woman, no bigger than this right here, just the tiniest little thing, probably didn't weigh 80 pounds. And she'd sit there and all of a sudden with a 800 or 900 people in the service, she'd start speaking in tongues. And she'd start giving out a message. And I mean teenagers, everybody in the house completely came to silence. As that little lady began to prophesy and, and give out a message, and then she would interpret many times. Other men and other ladies in the church would, would, would interpret as well, but many times the power of God would use her all the way through that gift, and she was amazing. A pillar. A pillar. I'll never forget a time I was walking down the hall at Harlem Park, and she had a Bible class, a woman's Bible study class, and I was walking close by and I looked at her and I said, hey, Sister Wright, I said, can I escort you to your class? And she said, well, sure. And so she, I put my arm out, or it was over here, and she put her arm in mine and walked in and we walked into her class and there were about, old oh, 20 uh, senior ladies in that room and they all, when I walked her into that room, she looked at them all and she goes, dum, dum, da, dum. I'll never forget that story. Beautiful story. Never forget on her deathbed when we went, me and Brother Watkins went to her house. She was eat up with cancer and she was down to just bones and she laid in the bed, barely could even move. And all of a sudden the power of God came on her and she began to pray in another language. And as she did, she raised up off that bed and gave a prophecy to Brother Watkins and then turned to me and gave me a prophecy about my future. And then she laid back on the bed, and by the next morning, she had gone to heaven. Pillars. Pillars of the church. People that weren't wishy-washy and up and down and in one minute and out the next. People that were wearing their feelings on their sleeves, all emotional, coming and going. These were people that were solid, steadfast, stable, unmovable. They knew what they knew, and they were absolutely convinced there was no shadow of turning in them. They absolutely were on fire with the power of Almighty God. And you knew it. You knew it. There was no question. You didn't walk up and wonder, how are they doing today? You'd walk up and you'd see the Holy Ghost in her face. You'd see it in their eyes. 
Brother McLaughlin look at you through his glasses and you'd be waiting for a word from heaven. Pillars. Strong pillars of the church. Remember Gracie Harris. Now she wasn't a preacher. She wasn't somebody who, who did a lot of teaching. She never, as far as I know, she never taught a class. If you didn't know Gracie Harris, boy, you sure missed something. Gracie loved this church. She cleaned this church. I don't even know how many years, probably 50, 60 years, she cleaned this church. She knew every crack and crevice at Clayton Street, Harlem Park, and Stratford Heights. She'd make up hangers so that she could pick stuff up behind the fountain, the water fountain. And she'd come up with her own tools and make them so she could get to places and clean out places. And she'd sniff through this place. And she'd come many times into this youth pastor's office. When I was youth pastor, she'd throw her rag down on my desk. And she'd say, now them kids, they messed up my area. I'd say, I'm sorry, Gracie. She said, well, you're going to do something about it. I said, yes, ma'am, I sure will. I promise you, them old rotten kids. <laughs> she was a giant. She was a pillar. I want to talk to you in just a few minutes. I want to challenge your heart this morning to get a hold of the goods so, so deep, so intimately, that you accept one of the highest callings that you would be a pillar in the church. As we're walking more and more of them to the cemetery, and I got to tell you, Brother Marion, it was your wife that started all this in my mind and in my spirit. All week long, I was sad, and all week long, I kept thinking about All the, all the saints are, are going to heaven. All the ones that you call when you need prayer. All the ones that got the fire. All the ones that, that you know that you know that you I'm not talking about the ones that you think, you guess. They might be okay this week, maybe next week. I'm talking about the ones that you know that you know that you know. They've got a connection. They've got that wire hooked up, man. It's, the Wi-Fi is working. And I was sad, not only because I loved her so much, I was able to visit with them down in their home in Florida when, when I was down there for the General Assembly last year, the last time we went. And it was a beautiful afternoon. Josh and Missy Boyer, we were able to be there. I think about Brother Mann, Kathy. So many people. I think of old Woody. Remember Woody? A lot of you don't know Woody. Woody was an usher, and he was the usher of all ushers. Joe Goodlow, senior, was amazing pillar of the church. These people that we missed, these people that were pillars, what was it about them that stood out? What, what was it about them that made them these, these folks? What was it that touched Ralph Murphy to be different than everybody else. Robert Graham, Harold Stevens, W.D. Watkins. What, what made these men and women, what, what made them so different? Lord, we need pillars in the church. The Lord was evident in their lives. The question we want to ask is, are we, are we a pillar? Do we have the potential to be a pillar? 
We have some in our church. Don't get me wrong. We have some folks that are fired up in this house. We got people that love Jesus in this house. They study the word of God. They know scripture. There's, there's nothing to compare to someone who knows scripture. It's beautiful. There are people that know how to intercede and pray. They know how to get a hold of God. They're prayer warriors for God. We've got folks that know how to do that. But I'm asking you today as we're, as we're taking more and more and more of them to the cemetery. And, and I was thinking about what Stratford Heights, Clayton Street, Harlem Park must look like in the spiritual realm. I kind of get a feeling that there's a whole lot more in our membership on that side than there is on this side. If they call a reunion for Clayton Street... Stratford Heights over on the other side, there's probably thousands of people gathered over there for the picnic. You think about what the people that have laid the groundwork, the, the wonderful Morrisons who opened up their home and, and, and all down through the history of our church, the, the folks that have given and sacrificed and prayed. I, I guarantee you, I didn't know Mom, Paul, Morrison. I didn't know them personally. But what I do know is that they must have been prayer warriors and they must have been pillars because they started something on a front porch that ended up going a hundred years later. And every pastor that came behind them and every member that came in behind them, they, they came in and they found their spot in helping to continue the work of the church. And that's our heart today, to continue the work. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Our desire is to be those people, those strength. And the pillars, the columns, if you will, that will continue to hold up the structure of the church. Not my ministry. Not your ministry. I'm talking about the church built on the rock, Christ Jesus. That church, that's what we're trying to accomplish. We want to build the holy work of God on the earth. And God has called us. He's anointed us. He's put us together and, and we are in a time and a season where it's amazing because here we are at the very end of it. I believe we're in the last days and we're coming all full circle. I believe many of us are coming together and God is bringing people, leaders and people are coming. Lots of folks visiting. Thank you for the way that you're coming. We, we, we were walking out in the lobby the other day, Richard and I were talking and we looked at the crowd and I was like, some of those faces, I don't, I don't know their names yet. And at first I felt guilty, and then somebody said, no, Pastor, that's a good thing. That means people are coming and flocking, and they're, they're visiting, and they're staying. And, and what we got to do is we got to keep working our dynamic and working our system, and we got to keep filling up our volunteer positions so that we can know how to make this thing work, to stay small while we get large. Because how many of you know we're adding to the church daily such as should be saved? Never have been interested in, in, in us four and no more. Never have been interested in, well, you know, the, the church is just a little too big for me. It ought to get big and huge and massive. And we ought to be working harder and harder at making it small while it's large. In other words, what I mean is that's why small group ministry is such an amazing thing at our church. It's Put that right next to Sunday school and, and put it next to family life night in our discipleship classes and, and all the things we've got going. Now we're, you're hearing that a catalog has come out and, and you need to take a look at it. It's in your pew. Take it home and look at it because we want you, I want you to be a part of a small group. I'm so thankful for Melissa Graw. We now are celebrating that we have all right at almost 20 small groups that are working in our church. 
Go ahead. That's all right. Edifying one another, lifting one another up. In a busy, busy, busy world, small groups don't compete with the church. They're part of what's happening in the 21st century. We got to wake up. We got to quit looking at the past and quit looking at us for and no more, our little ministry and our little box. How many of you know the devil isn't interested in traditions and things that we do? He is ready to try anything he can to try to get their attention. Well, it's time for us to start opening up the doors and the windows and saying we'll do whatever we can to spread the gospel to every creature, man, woman, boy, and girl. One of those ways is small group ministry. It's not for everybody. You may not be interested in it. I love it. I want to be in a small group. I love the fellowship, the connection. I got to visit one the other night, and I was sharing with those people how, how, how awesome it was and how great it, it felt, and they were sharing with me. One of them said, Pastor, it's like this is my new family. And I thought that was so awesome and so beautiful. It's not for everybody, but it's for most because so many of us are, are so busy, we're so busy, and, and we, we work, and we have schedules that are crazy, and, and, and so it's not possible always to come at the, that one little hour, that one little sanctioned hour that we put together, either on Wednesday or Sunday, and you got to get your discipleship, and if you don't get it right there, well, then you're just, you just don't love God. Now we're trying to make it. They meet on Thursdays. At 6.30, and, and others meet on Monday, and others meet on Friday, and, and they're meeting together. That little group figures out what's their best time to meet, and they meet, and they cover a curriculum and a Bible study, and they have prayer for one another, and they laugh together and have food together, and they, have, they become friends together. It's beautiful. It's actually the perfect model. It's actually what Jesus modeled for us in his word in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42 through 47. He says they went to the temple, they went to the synagogue, but it says, and they also broke bread and went from house to house. So we're wanting to do everything we can to, to create the atmosphere for connection and discipleship because we're in the last days. We're doing everything we can to make sure we're doing God's work in this earth. And one of the things that I, I've sniffed out and I feel in my spirit is, is something strong that the Lord is laying on my heart is that we need new pillars. We need men, young men, young ladies. We need, we need folks, adults. We need them to step up into that area where there'll be a prayer warrior. Where, you know, I, I visited with Elvin uh, Lawson, and I, I, he's a private man, and I, I wouldn't dare go off and tell all his business, but I will tell you something about him. He's a pillar. Brother Lawson served on our usher team for good knows, uh, probably 50, 60 years. Can you imagine 50, some, let's just say it's 50, 50 years every Sunday in your jacket, serving the people, opening doors, 50 years. Another thing about him, for over 40 years, he had the reputation of coming to this church at 6.30 every single morning, not just Sunday. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday was the only morning he slept in. Every day for over 40 years. Clear back to Robert Graham as pastor. He has been coming to this church and praying for one hour every morning. Whether any, there were some times there'd be 20, 30 people here with him. There were many more times there was just one. 
him. A pillar. A pillar. God, give us pillars. I fear we need them. What I learned, and Lenny Robinson shared this with me earlier, and I'm going to close. I'm getting ready to close. So if you'll help me, I'll, I'll land the plane, Brother Robinson. Brother Robinson's great about saying, I'm going to land this plane. He shared with me, he said, you know, there's something about architectural building and engineering that, he said, have you ever thought about how that works? And I was just like, well, no, you know. He said, many times when there's a foundational issue, they will drive pillars into the ground to build the foundation on to put the new pillars to hold up the structure. And he said, do you get it? I was like, so we've got a foundation that's been laid and there are pillars that have had to be put in the ground. Come on now. Pillars that have had to be driven into the ground in order for the church to continue, in order for the building to continue to be strong. Got to put those pillars down, then we can start and rebuild and build on and add on and we can continue. And I thought, oh, that's good. Oh, that's real good. So Sister Barnes and many of the others, that they're just, they're still part of the, the building. They're still part of, the, she's she going to be a pillar till Jesus comes. We're just going to put her under the foundation right there till we can continue to build. And then we'll put up a new column. It might be, it might be you, it might be you, it, it, it might be me, it might be one of these teenagers, maybe there's a, a column, maybe there's a pillar over here, somebody who will fall madly in love with Jesus, who, who will start praying morning, noon, and night, and reading their Bible, and memorizing scripture, maybe they'll start to get a calling on their life, and they'll say, I want to teach a class, or, or they'll say, Pastor, I'm called to preach, or another one may say, I'm called to sing the ministry, I, I'm called to do something for God, man, that'll be a pillar starting to rise up on a new foundation, and the church will continue to grow. I was looking at these young people doing their, their uh, choreography out here in the, the, the song earlier, and, and I was thinking back, Terry, to, I remember when you had a group of ladies, and you were teaching them to worship in their dance, and I thought, well, they need, they're doing wonderful. They might know, they might need Terry to help them out a little bit sometime. New foundation, new pillars, new ministry, so thankful for those who have pioneered and plowed and laid the foundations for us and built the building that got us to where we are right now. We, we couldn't have had that building if we hadn't had this one. We couldn't have had this one if we hadn't had Harlem Park. We couldn't have had Harlem Park if we hadn't moved over from Clayton Street. And we couldn't have had Clayton Street had Mom, Pa, Morrison given us their front porch. You see where I'm going? Stand with me this morning plane is hit. I see the lights on the runway. Listen to this scripture. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. 
He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go out no more, and I will write on him the name of my God. He'll have his identity in God. And the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. How do you become a pillar? It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. When we stand before God in Matthew, the Bible talks about what Christ will say to us when we get there. Sister Debbie, I live and long for the day when the Bible tells us I'll hear words said to me. And I, there's only two, two of those connotations that go in there that I want to hear. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Wait a minute, what about my talent? What about my position? What about my training? What about my gift? What about my calling, my ministry? Where is that, Lord? It ain't mentioned. Well done, good, faithful servant. That's it. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou now into the joy of the Lord. I see pillars. I see some wonderful columns all over this building. But I see as we're, we're going to take one out to the graveside this week. We've taken quite a few over the last year. They were pillars. So we need a new one. Every time we... Every time we lay one to rest, we need someone else to step up. I'm asking you to challenge your own heart to becoming a pillar in the house of God. Young people, adults, senior adults, there is no age requirement or limit on becoming a pillar. You know, most churches are they're satisfied if people just warm the pew. How many do we have today? Oh, wow, that's good. How many of you know God don't care how many we had today? I mean, we count people because people count, I've always said. And I appreciate the fact that we want to we grow and do good for God. I, I don't want to contradict my own preaching. I believe we should grow as the New, New Testament church did in Acts. But God is just, he just considers that to be part of what we're supposed to do. But what God cares about is what we're doing that we're called to do. Obedience. And how we're living for him. How we're serving the kingdom. I'm, I'm questioning, I'm challenging you today. Where are you with the Lord? And where are you with his work in your life? And what are you going to do for him? And do you have it inside you to become a pillar? Now listen, there are lots of folks who because of work schedules and life and, and all kinds of situations, some physical reasons, they can't, they can't always be here. And I understand that. I'm not one of these guys that, you know, beat you in the head because you can't be here every time the doors are open. We have seven services every week, and I don't come to all of them. But there are seven areas, places, 
of ministry. There are seven services a week here. There are all kinds of 60-some ministries that we have. There's all kinds of places here for you to serve and for you to work. So that's not a problem. But I'm not one of those people that beat you in the head for, for your attendance. But I do want to point something out to you that, that, that would help because it's real important that you understand who gets used in leadership. Who gets used in a position where, where their, their ministry and their calling becomes evident and they become a pillar of the church? Who are the people and, and what are you looking for when you're looking for someone who's going to take a ministry position or a place where they can really effectively build for the kingdom and you, you feel this call, this want to, this desire down inside of you. You say, I, I want to do something for God. I, I don't want to just be there and, and I, I, I've got nothing else on my calendar. I want to serve God. I want to be part of the kingdom work. And Pastor, I, I've had people say, you know, I want to get involved and, and, and I want to do ministry. I want you to put me over something or give me something that I can head up. Give me something I can do. Okay, here's how it works. It first starts with good and faithful. Good and faithful. Don't tell me you want to work in the church and you're hit or miss and I don't ever know where you are. This, I got my chance. Now I'm red hot right now. This is my chance to say this. Because people get mad at me. They get upset with me. They get upset with Richard. They get upset with Cameron. And they'll just be like, well, no, I mean, I, I don't know what you got to do to get in over there. I don't know what you got to do to work. Can't work. Can't do anything. Nobody ever calls you. Nobody ever looks for you. If I got to go searching for you, I can't use you. I'm looking for people that are in, my, in the aisle. I'm looking for people. I'm shaking their hand after a service. I'm looking for people like old Brother Lawson who will show up here at 6.30 in the morning and just give his heart and life to sacrificing to be a pillar. I'm looking for people who will say, I don't need you to beg me, Pastor. I don't need you to satisfy me, Pastor. I'm here to work. Put me to work. I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm ready to go. And I'll be here. I'll be here whenever I can. Work may keep me out. I may not always be able to be here, but pastor, you can count on it. If you're having church Wednesday night, if I can be here, I'll be here. If you're having church on Sunday night, I'll be here. I may not even like it. Because I had some people say, I just don't like Sunday night. I know. Okay. I don't take it personal. My feelings ain't hurt. But if you're looking to be a pillar in the church, I mean a pillar. Now, if you don't want to be a pillar, then don't worry about this. If you want to be a pillar, when something needs done, we just do it, don't we? Something needs done out there, we, we'll go out there and we'll do it. Me and him will do it. I don't go and sit at my desk and go, who can we call? Who might, who's, who can we satisfy with ministry? We don't do that. If I need something and I see Brian, I'll say, Brian, can you help me? Yeah, man, what do you need? Well, I need you to teach Wednesday night. Okay, man, I'm there. All right, cool. Thank you so much. I, I, need, I need somebody. We got a class empty. No teachers over here. Hey, hey Brother Robinson, could, could you teach second graders? <laughs> I, I need somebody to fill the class. You're right in front of me. Can, can, you, can you do that? You say, yes, sir, whatever you need, because I'm here. Now, like I said, I realize their schedules and their work, and, and you can't always be here. I understand. I know that. But I'm telling you, Jesus said, well done, 
good and faithful. I use the ones I can see. I personally use the ones that I talk to, the ones that I see in the hall, the ones that I know are saying, how you doing, Pastor? Mike always says, how you doing, Pastor? Albert always, every time I look down through here, I see Albert. Albert's always here. I could ask Albert to do anything. He'll do it. He's always here. Every time I'm walking in, hi, Pastor Ray. Hey, Albert. I see him all the time. He's always around. I don't have to beg him. I don't have to call him. I don't have to search him out and send a, a search party for him. I don't have to find out why he's not here. He's just here. Love that. I realize everybody can't do that. Don't get me wrong. I, I asked in the first service, I, I don't want anybody to think I'm beating down on them. I, I'm not at all. I know. Thank you for those who, who will give. This is where you give your time. This is where you come to church. So thankful for that. But I'm talking about the people, Rhonda, that want, that want a position and want to work. We need you. Oh, my goodness, we need you. I feel like I'm turning 11 plates at once. I've given five of my plates to Richard, and he's doing that. And we're going crazy. We're trying to get things spun. But see, I'm not going to go back and let my plates go and go sit at my desk and go, hmm, who, who can I get? I'm just going to keep spinning them. And if you come along, I'll say, can you take this plate? Thank you. Am I all right? Say amen. I'm trying to help you to understand how it works. Faithfulness in God's house. Faithfulness to the ministry. Faithfulness to the work. That's all of us working together. We need hundreds of volunteers for this new building. So I'm wondering where you are. You don't want to catch my eye. Because when I do see you, I'm going to be like, how you doing? Do you like nursery? Enough meddling. Every head bowed and every eye closed. It starts with an amazing relationship with Christ, a call in your life. When I became saved, I found my way to Harlem Park Church of God in Middletown. 18 years old, driving an old Oldsmobile, banging all the way down from Dayton. Took me 45 minutes to an hour to get here every service. And I was here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night. Usually on Saturday there was an event. And I poured all my gas money into that thing. And I drove that bomb all the way down to Middletown. An hour every, every single week. I drove it several times during the week. I just wanted to be here. I wanted to be a part. I, I, I said, put me to work. And they knew it because I was here. And I would do it. I wanted to be apart. I wanted to do something. I wanted, to, I wanted God to be pleased. I wanted to serve the Lord. I wanted to do what I could. I didn't need somebody to pat me on the back. I didn't need to be recognition. I didn't need anybody to know my name. I didn't care. I just wanted to work. I had no idea at 18 years old I'd one day be the pastor. But if I look back over it, I would say it's because I was determined that I was going to find my place. I'm asking you today, will you find your place? Will you search out your place? Get a part of the team. We want you. We need you. We, we're so excited about where God is taking us. And, and I, we want as many on that boat as we can. We'll, we don't want to reject nobody. We don't want to cast nobody out. We don't want you to feel like there's an inner circle. There's only a special group. It ain't nothing like that. Just get in here. 
Help us find that spot where you belong. You're happy, you're excited, you want to give of your time and your effort, and you don't need nobody to, to beg you or prod you. You just need to get in there. We're looking for pillars. We're looking for strong people who will say, I am going to help build this church. I'm going to help build this generation. I'm getting them ready for an end-time revival. We're going to move into the work of God. We're going to do it together. We're going to blow this city wide open with a revival for Jesus that they have never seen before. Touch us, Lord. I ask young people, I ask families, I ask moms and dads, I ask all of us to consider our own lives and where we are in the process of serving God. Some are meant to do what they're doing and thank God. Some are called to be pillars. Where are you? Many are going to heaven and so we need you. We need new pillars. And then like I said, it all starts with a relationship with Jesus. So the first question I would ask today, is there anyone who needs Jesus in your heart, in your life, you'd like to make a commitment to the Lord so that you can be a part of the work of God? You see a purpose in all this. You, you wanna be a part of a greater purpose than yourself. And you understand through our communion earlier and through the songs and the message that Jesus died on the cross for you and he wants to save your soul. You know this and you want to be actively a part of that. And you need Christ in your heart. Would you just slip up your hand and write back down. We're going to pray with you today. Is there anyone at all that's here? I wouldn't want to pass up this opportunity. Pastor, I need to be saved. All right. Then the next question is, what's God doing in you? For heaven's work on earth. I challenge you to begin the process of becoming a pillar. If that's what God has called you to, then he will enable you and he'll make it happen. Be a pillar. Father, we come to you. We ask in the name of Jesus that you would touch and minister. That your work would be accomplished and done. That God, you would continue to bless us, anoint us by your Holy Spirit and guide us, giving us wisdom and instruction. But we have a lot of work to do. We want to be a part of your work for the kingdom. Touch us by your Holy Spirit today as a church. Minister your great strength. Our pastors are going to come into the altar now, and as they do, as we're dismissed in a song this morning, if you need special prayer of any kind, I want you to feel very welcome to come down. You can actually move now the pastors will pray with you today. If you'd like to help us in praying for others, then you're welcome to do this as well. Otherwise, I would ask you to come back at 6 o'clock tonight. God bless you and thank you for being here. I believe Richard might have something he might need to say. In the in the vein of our work and the volunteer things that we need to accomplish around our church, We've got a lot of work going into this new building, but we want to do some work around the grounds and things here at, at this building in preparation for a big grand opening this Thursday night and Friday night at 6 o'clock. We will be having a work day outside all around the building. If you could be here and bring tools and be a part of that, that would be awesome. Also, 
If you would like to volunteer anywhere in our church and you want more information or would like to know more about that, next Sunday, a week from today, we will have a meeting right after the, t the 1040 service, 10, 15 minutes to tell you, uh, give you all kinds of information on where you can get involved. We had our first one last week. We had 30 people show up, and we encourage you to come be a part of that. Check out the calendar. Uh, check out the catalog again with all the small groups and classes. We want to get you connected. And in closing, we want to pray for Virgil Amberger. We want to pray for him, that God would just touch him and be, be with him. Kind of got a bad report. We just want God to take care of them and watch out for them. And we want you to be blessed as you go this week and rise and be a pillar of our church. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you and honor you and bless you. Lord, thank you. Lord, for those that you've blessed our life with that have laid a path before us, God, the examples that you've given us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be raised up, Lord, according to your will, that we could be examples to those that are around us, those that, those that will lead us into the future. Lord, we just pray that you would touch and be with our church, especially we pray that you would be with Virgil today. God, we pray that you would watch over him, take care of him and Liz. Lord, just bring a miracle and a work into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We are not dismissing, but we will... We'll let you go. Of course, if you need prayer, you can come forward. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.